I would like to nominate OCD as one of the five most misunderstood diagnoses in medicine. How do I know? Well, every day I speak with people whose lives have been touched by OCD. I hear the questions they ask. I hear the beliefs that they hold. I also see what I learned in medical school about OCD. And most importantly, five years ago, I was that misinformed person. My son could have been diagnosed and treated appropriately if I had only known then what I know now. So in this podcast episode, I would like to debunk the five top myths about OCD. Well, welcome to the Free Me From OCD podcast. If you or someone that you love has OCD, you know that OCD can hold you hostage. OCD can get in the driver's seat of your life. Here you'll find information and tips and tools to put you back in the driver's seat of your life. I'm Dr. Vicki Rackner, your host. I call on my experience as the mother of a son diagnosed with OCD when he was in college, a physician, and a certified life coach to help you evolve into the best and highest version of yourself. Let's start with myth number one. OCD is easy to spot. Jim said to me, I can always spot somebody with OCD. They're neat and organized and they're always washing their hands. If it were only that easy. There are people who are neat and tidy and hand wash who don't have OCD. And there are people with OCD who are not neat or organized. So let's talk about what OCD is. The letters stand for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And this medical condition really packs three punches. People with OCD have a brain wiring glitch that causes their brain to offer up deeply disturbing thoughts or images or urges. So these are the obsessions. That's really the first punch. Imagine if a monster set up housekeeping inside of your brain and was constantly offering you ideas about the things that you loved most. These thoughts create strong, unpleasant feelings. This is the second punch. In order to manage these feelings, people with OCD have learned that if they do certain things, they can bring their unpleasant feelings back to baseline. So the things that they do, either in the outer world or the inner world, are called the compulsions. And that is the third hit. And all three of these hits contribute to the D, the disorder. The real problem with OCD is that people can spend hours in their obsessions and compulsions. They can withdraw from friends. They can withdraw from work. This can be a debilitating condition. On average, people have OCD symptoms for 14 to 17 years before they're finally diagnosed. Well, why is it so hard to spot? Well, the first is just the nature of OCD. People who have obsessions are a little worried that if they shared them, people would think that they're crazy. They would be embarrassed if people knew about the compulsions, so they hide. And when somebody is hiding, it's really difficult for somebody who loves them to observe the behaviors and say, hey, there's something up. 
Second, there's no one presentation about OCD. The obsessive thoughts have themes, and contamination-related themes are just one. There is also harm OCD. People are worried about getting things just right. There are strange sexual thoughts. And over time, the themes can shift. So there's no one thing that you can look for. Third, a lot of people, including healthcare professionals, fail to think about OCD as a diagnosis. They can see a constellation of symptoms. They see what's happening, but nobody thinks that maybe these things are caused by OCD. And when you don't think about it, you're not gonna arrive at the diagnosis. And fourth, the most common age of onset of OCD is late teens and early 20s. Now, this is a time in which kids are claiming more autonomy. They don't tell parents everything that's happening in their life. In addition, they're often making a transition. They're moving out of the house. That means that family members don't have a chance to pick up on some of the subtle clues that might lead to exploration about what might be going on. And since this is a time of transition, there's an element of newness, and there's always the question, okay, what's normal and what's not normal? The only clues about OCD sometimes can be very nonspecific. Grades going down, sleeping problems, GI distress, maybe withdrawal from friends. But here's what's really important. OCD is very common. It's estimated that about one in a hundred kids has it. And today, OCD is vastly underdiagnosed. Myth number two, OCD is not a big deal. You know, David said to me, okay, I get it. The doctors say my daughter has OCD. You know, they told me that she has thoughts in her head that get stuck. They told me she has rituals to deal with these thoughts. But how is that any different than me or anybody else? Who doesn't get a thought stuck in their head? Who doesn't have some superstitious rituals that they do? Well, everything that David said is true. We all have chatter in our brains. In fact, you might enjoy reading the book Chatter. I caught an interview with the author, Ethan Cross, and he told two stories. The first was about tennis great Rafael Nadal. A reporter once asked Nadal, when you're out on the tennis court, what's the thing that you struggle with most? And Nadal answered, the thing I struggled with most is the battles with the voices in my brain. He said that his rituals are a way of managing those voices. So there are some fans who speculate that Nadal might have OCD. I'm not going to comment. This is a private thing between Nadal and his doctors. But let's just play it both ways. Let's say that Nadal does not have OCD. What this shows us is the power of the things that our brains tell us. Our brains lie to us all the time. And most of us manage our brains kind of like toddlers with scissors. We can use our minds to manage our brains and be much, much more successful in life. Now, let's say that Nadal does have OCD as a theoretical concern. What that means is that he has figured out a way to manage his brain and manage his life so that he can go on to great success. That's what we want for everybody with OCD. Now, compare Nadal's story to the story of Rick 
Ankiel. Ankiel was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals when he was just 19. He was a bright rising star with a golden arm. Some people thought he was the next Sandy Koufax. In the third inning of a playoff game, on October 3rd, 2000, Ankiel threw what he calls the pitch that changed my life. He threw a wild pitch, and then another, and another, and another. Five consecutive wild pitches. He was pulled from the game. Now, let me make it clear. Nothing happened on the mound. He didn't injure his shoulder or his arm or his toe. There was no physical explanation for his sudden inability to get the ball into the strike zone. Ankiel had a condition called the yips. And what that means is suddenly he had an inability to get the ball where he wanted the ball to go. In his autobiography, Ankiel calls the condition a monster. His manager called it the thing. Other baseball players with the yips call it a brain-wiring problem. Sound familiar? After significant efforts at rehab and false starts, Ankiel knew that his career as a pitcher was over. All he ever wanted to do in life was play baseball. And now at 20, he was retiring. This is what it's like for many people with OCD. Suddenly, these disturbing thoughts invade their brains. They find themselves doing things they can't explain. They're unable to stop checking the stove about as well as Ankiel could throw a ball into the strike zone. And like Ankiel, they can withdraw from life. They can leave the game, if you will. Unmanaged OCD is a big deal. Many who have unmanaged OCD leave the game. People leave the workforce. Some people become prisoners of their homes. It doesn't have to be that way. At the recommendation of his manager, Ankiel went on to play center field. He performed brilliantly. He could get the ball from deep center field, 250 feet to the third baseman with pinpoint accuracy. People with OCD can learn how to get back into the game. The reinvention might look a little different, but that's okay, right? Ankiel was very happy playing center field. A rich life is still possible. Myth number three, people with OCD are just undisciplined and lazy. Chris said, my son was diagnosed with OCD. I think he should just belly up to the bar and stop the craziness. He's just being lazy. The great paradox is that people with OCD are anything but lazy and undisciplined. They act in service of their OCD 24-7 without ever taking vacations. OCD is not a personality quirk. It's a treatable medical condition. A father wouldn't say, hey, my son should just belly up to the bar and will his eyes to improve so he doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. The cause of OCD remains a mystery. We don't know what causes OCD any more than we understand why Rick Ankiel started throwing wild pitches. That means that people make up their own stories about OCD and fill in the blanks. Here are some things we do know. It appears that there's a genetic component to OCD. Brain scans of people with OCD are different. There are changes in neurotransmitters. Trauma increases the risk of OCD. 
We also know that OCD is not a personality quirk. Kids don't spontaneously outgrow it. Further, parents don't cause it. If somebody has OCD, they didn't do anything wrong to get it. OCD is nobody's fault. Let's give up language that suggests that OCD is anything but what it is. OCD is a treatable medical condition, not a punchline. Myth number four, there's no treatment for OCD. It's not uncommon for people with OCD to go from doctor to doctor and get treatment that makes things worse rather than better. That doesn't mean that OCD is untreatable. What that means is that people just have not connected yet with the only evidence-based treatment proven to help, and that's ERP. I'll leave a link to the podcast about ERP. If you'd like to find an ERP practitioner, go to NoCD. OCD can be treated and managed. However, at some point, it's important to define what does successful treatment look like. There are a lot of people with OCD who would love to get the treatment so that they never have obsessive thoughts again. Unfortunately, that's just a fantasy. The goal of treatment is to be able to have these thoughts, but not give them any power. They can just be the background noise in your life. So you hear an obsessive thought and you say, oh, just another obsessive thought, dismissed, let me go on with my life. It's also true that some people with OCD aren't ready to do the hard work of treatment yet. If you love somebody with OCD, you might think, well, let me do their work for them. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work like that. That's not to say that family members of people with OCD can't do their own work. By doing your own work, you make it easier for the person with OCD to do their work. We just have to separate whose job is what. Myth number five, if somebody knew about my OCD, they wouldn't date or hire or admit or befriend me. So, Here are some truths. First, if you've got OCD, you are not your OCD. If you have a child with OCD, that is not a reflection about you or your parenting skills. You are a person managing a medical condition. Sometimes I think it's helpful to think about OCD as a monster that lives in the brain. Now, we all know that there's no monsters that live in the brain. The monster is not you, but the monster can get in the driver's seat of your life and control everything. That's how and why people come to say, I am my OCD. But you can get the monster out of the driver's seat of your life. You can get back in. Here are some more things to consider. Colleges want to admit you, not your OCD monster. The good news is that you are applying to college. I've heard people with OCD ask, well, who would ever want to hang out with me? Who would ever want to date me? Who would ever want to marry me? And I know a therapist who works in the deaf community, and she told me a story that I'll never forget. She said, for every pot, there's a lid. She talked about this woman, a single mother with two young children who were both ventilator dependent. She was really lonely, but she told this therapist, who would ever want to join our family? 
Well, you know what? She found that somebody and is happily married. People want to be friends with you, not the OCD monster. People want to date you, not the OCD monster. And remember, whenever you meet anyone, they come with baggage. The OCD monster, whether caged or uncaged, is just your particular kind of baggage. I'd like to comment specifically on OCD and careers. So I read a book called Rocket Fuel. The co-authors explored the question, what separates successful organizations from unsuccessful organizations? What they found is successful organizations were co-led by two people they called the visionaries and the implementers. And they talked about the characteristics of these co-leaders. As I looked at the characteristics of the visionaries, I thought, they're describing somebody with ADHD. As I looked at the implementers, I said, this looks like somebody with OCD. Now, what's the rate limiting step in business success? It's not finding visionaries. It's really easy to find visionaries. It's finding the implementers. And I hold this image of people learning how to manage OCD so they can step in and fill this void. There are places for people with these kinds of specialized brains. So I just reviewed five common myths about OCD. And as long as these myths are around, there are going to be people suffering who don't have to suffer because these myths can lead to a delay in diagnosis and a delay in appropriate treatment. What can each of us do to contribute to the solution? To replace these myths with facts and destigmatize OCD. Here are a few ideas. First, educate yourself about OCD. Educate others. There are lots of great resources out there and I will list them below. Consume them, share them, including maybe even this podcast. When you find yourself or others judging somebody with OCD, just reframe it. Ask yourself, what would the conversation be like if this person had a COVID infection or cancer instead of OCD? Would we be saying things differently? Extend that same compassion to people with OCD. Third, be as open as you can about your experience with OCD. People learn through stories. You know, I have the great honor of having my name on the cover of a very special Chicken Soup for the Soul book. Now, as you know, this whole chicken soup empire is about stories. Well, in some specific books, including one about heart disease, what they did is they interspersed medical information between the stories. This makes it really easy to consume medical knowledge. So tell your stories. Also recognize that some people aren't ready to tell their stories yet. And it's really important that we honor and respect their privacy. Next, watch your language. Let's avoid this, oh, that's so OCD, as if OCD is a punchline or a character flaw. Let's remind people that OCD is a serious 
and potentially debilitating medical condition. That's treatable. And last, don't hide. Hiding grows OCD. So tell your secrets. Find a safe place to do that. I invite you to send in a postcard with your darkest secrets to OCD Secrets. I will be sharing those. Let me end with one big OCD myth that people experience as the truth. There are a lot of people with OCD who tell themselves and others that they are broken. You are not broken. You are not a problem to be fixed. You are somebody going through the human experience of managing a medical condition. Yes, this is a tough one. Your OCD says nothing about who you are as a person or your worth. You are worthy of love, even with OCD. You can learn how to manage OCD and step into your heroic potential, your real life. Well, thanks for stopping by. I hope that you found value in this content. Please feel welcome to share this podcast with family, friends, and colleagues. And just a heads up, we're about to open the OCD Haven for membership. This is a community of people committed to being free from the tyranny of OCD. And remember, OCD can hold the entire family hostage. So our focus is to help families who have somebody in their late teens or early 20s learning to manage OCD. So you can get on our waiting list to learn when we open the doors. Thanks again for stopping by. That's what I've got for you today. 